Good morning. morning. Greetings to you in Jesus' name, that name which is above every name, that name I trust we find joy in hearing and knowing and understanding. A couple of things I it dawned on me kind of after the fact that not knowing you all and who all yours when all your birthdays are that actually I had one on Monday, so an honest confession is good for the soul. It was this past week, it didn't really hit me until after the request was made known and closed out, so trust we're all getting older for his glory. Had a very good week. Was able to be out in Ohio for this week and share and take in a lot of sharing that was a blessing to me. And uh, for that, I'm grateful. We won't plan to stay around long after the service. We're planning to be in uh, families to be back at Boyer Hill this evening for a six o'clock service until you had practice on before and tying together the loose ends there's not much free country between here and there <laughs> so pray for us in that way it's good to be with you this morning uh, I mentioned to John last night that wasn't aware of it yesterday and then last night later on Luke called me from our neighborhood and wondered if I had heard any of the noises going on in the neighborhood. And Anyway, came to find out that our neighbor landowner there had a brother-in-law there helping them and, and uh, a tree fell on him and he died from it last evening. And uh, One of the many illustrations of the brevity of life, the unexpected of, of the journey, and uh, one of the blessings of this week was being challenged and reminded, and I don't plan to focus there on the message this morning, but I had three sessions that we heard on Christ as pastor, Christ as high priest, or the priestly as a priest, and... Um, Christ as a prophet, and I was challenged in all those areas, and this morning as I woke up early this morning, I wasn't hardly awake, and I found myself being moved for our neighbors. They're not ignorant of the gospel, but do they know the comforts of God in times like that? Do they know the comforts? Do we have a burden to share with them? To, to not tell them how it's to be, but to invite them to that throne of grace. One illustration that came out of another series of topics there this week was a um, speaker that wrote the book, Pilgrim in Politics. I don't know if any of you all have ever seen that book. How many of you have seen it? Christian Light carries it. The illustration was used in there in the, I'm not sure the time frame, but during a time of a lot of 
migration, immigrants coming into the country and in the big cities where they were offloading in New York and I think a lot of them went into Chicago, there were a lot of people that used it for a source of evil. They uh, would face these people that had no connections and no support network and many times those ladies involved were were uh, caught up in and involved in prostitution to support their lifestyle, their life just to, to, to function. And because they had no connections, it was all new. And there were organizations that reached out to, to help those immigrants make connections with someone local of sound character, of sound footing, so that when they had needs, financial, cultural, physical, whatever, there was viable options to inquire and get help. And the testimony of one of those ladies impressed me. It said that she said, it wasn't until after those people reached out to help me that I began to have an interest in my own soul. Before that, she was lost in the world of the open sea, not knowing there was an anchor. Not knowing she needed an anchor. And um, there is a way in which we are all called to that duty of being that intercessor between those here and what God offers here. So if you came without a job this morning, reconsider. I invite you to Mark chapter 10 to begin this morning. Many days you and I get up and sometimes we have things pretty cut out and dried, cut and dried what the day is to be. But I would simply like to call and title the message this morning, What Must I Do? What must I do? a question we all face, and here was the rich young ruler that asked this question. I'll read these verses beginning in verse 18 uh, and 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled down to him and kneeled to him and asked him, God, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast to give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Two things I'd like to draw from this group of verses, this parable here, this, Ill, this story. One was 
Jesus. What does it say in verse 21? It says, Jesus beholding him was annoyed by him. Didn't have time for him. Was frustrated by him. Thought he should know better. It says, Jesus beholding him loved him. Yet, this young ruler found things in his life and experience, and it's Christ focused on what he had here that was a stumbling block in his situation. And I'm not sure what it could be in yours and mine, but it can be a vast array of things if we have in our lives things that God does not want there, that are not surrendered to him, that are not in his care, that are not... But on the altar of sacrifice in our service and worship to the Lord. He had great possessions. What is yours? Do you have any? Do we love those whom we behold? I invite you to First Peter. to read some verses here regarding some of the instruction we're given in the scripture as servants of God. I'm not sure whether to take the time. These are, these are familiar verses in many respects, but I guess I'd ask you the question, do you feel chosen this morning? Do you feel that special role and call of God upon your life? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Down in, I'll, I'll pick up reading down in verse 11 here. And I want to read through verse 17 at this time. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance and foolish ignorance of foolish men. As free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. Not much ask of us there, is it? It's a lot asked. A lot directed. A lot implied. 
But how will we? How can we? By what means can we be able to, to undertake what is set here before us in these verses? I'd like to look just a little bit at a couple examples of Christ to inspire us before we look further at, at the latter part of this passage in, in, in a schematic way. But I invite you back to Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading from verse 1 through verse 8. Notice in verse 1, it talks about of the Spirit. If any fellowship of the Spirit. Do you notice anything about that word there? Anything about the way it's written? What does it start with? Capital S. A capital S. It impressed me again recently, and it happens in numerous places. But in 2 John, verse 9, it talks there about the, the importance of being warned against deceivers. And it talks about having the doctrine of Christ, and those that have not the doctrine of Christ are none of His. Then I was impressed in Romans 8, verse 9, it talks about the aspect of the Spirit. And it says, he that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. The capital S Spirit. Now, we understand what that capital S means, don't we? The Holy Spirit. Spirit from on high. And the wonder of wonders in our minds many times is how in the world is there room for that capital S in me? How does that happen? And that is a, a major focus of, of the message this morning. In answering that question that the young ruler had, what must I do? So I'd like to begin by reading these verses here in, in Philippians chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Notice these things later on when we're talking about going back to 1 Peter and we're looking at what he is telling us we are to do, the importance of some of these characteristics that we're reading here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As I think of Christ's example and, and returning back to this other passage we'll be looking at more, I see such a key element here in focus of our need to, to be able to 
allow God and that capital S of His Spirit to be that which abides and abounds in my heart and your heart. Because apart from that direction, apart from that source of, of grace and peace and in strength in our life, how else will we be able to accomplish what the Scriptures set forth for us, has called us to? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That, that term might ring a bit hollow to you in the King James, but he thought it was not something that to cling to, that he didn't need to retain, but he made himself of no reputation to be able to come to us. To, and in doing that, he, he emptied himself, he poured himself out, he divested himself of that which he had experienced to be God with us in the form of man. Um, and the Spanish uses a term I've probably used here before, but it's to, to empty oneself out, to pour out. And I had to think, you know, sometimes Paul's admonition many times for us to, to die daily and so forth. And I had to think of the illustration of the, in the kitchen or wherever sometimes we have, you know, the, I don't know how many of you all might have uh, garbage disposals. I don't know, but we don't. We still use uh, scrap or slop bucket or whatever you call it, and uh, that's an, maybe getting to be an old-fashioned term, but I think most of you all understand what I'm talking about. Those things that are of no virtue, and in Sunday school it was mentioned are filthy rags, and it's things that we need to pitch out. We need to get, get rid of them, sacrifice them, call them what they are, and allow God to... to Remove them from our circumstance. I remember as a boy one time, my oldest sister came home and she had a, a friend. She had a date with her. And somehow or another, we at our old house there, we had up behind, we'd come up to the house, front porch, and then the side door was the one we used the most. But then on around the back door was, out the back door was where the slot bucket was kept, okay? And that particular evening, for some reason, I'm not sure, Someone apparently had intended to take it to, to feed the pigs. But it got left right there at the front steps. <laughs> and it was kind of an embarrassing feature for her to come home with her friend. What do we do with our slop? Are we poured out? Are we emptied out? For Christ to, to accomplish that work, there was no way that He could do it apart from that process which He chose to do. Now Paul continues on over in Philippians 3. In assessing his own life, we have the very familiar and encouraging passage there where he expresses that thought of pressing toward the mark. But he started out before he, he went on to press toward the mark, he started out, what, recounting his credentials. But then in verse 7 of chapter 3, he says this, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ 
Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? What is involved for me this day? Continuing on in verse 9, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteous, which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. The rich young ruler asked the question, what must I do? Yet, unless he was willing to die to that desire, that need to retain what Christ told him he needed to give up. He needed to surrender. He had that roadblock in front of him. And Paul sets before us, and we, knowing the life of Paul, such a, such a tremendous example of his, his zeal for Christ, just as he was zealous in persecuting the church. But here he is writing to the Philippians in bonds, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. As we look back to 1 Peter and what's talked about there, what we're called to do, the last part of Paul's challenge here is it stands very much in the forefront of my mind. Being made conformable unto his death is to be made like unto his death. How is that accomplished in your life and mine? To surrender, to, to allow his, his, the pursuit of His glory and, and the work of His kingdom above all else. And we'll look at some practical applications of how that happens. Now let's go back to 1 Peter, context of 1 Peter 2. I'd like to just break it into three parts for the message this morning. Or actually, it's four, I guess. But um, verse 17 here has a lot in it. But the predominant thing that I see in verse 17 here, it talks about honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. As I see each one of these sentences, brief and yet very deep, very encompassing, I would like to, to use fear God as the heading for this diagram, if you will. To lead, the lead point of these aspects here this morning because my ability to, to fear God is paramount for me to be able to hope to ever come to comply, to accomplish, to invest myself in what we're called to do here as strangers and pilgrims. 
to have honest conduct. It says having your conversation honest, our life. The element of submission, of surrender to every ordinance of man. Sometimes we read these passages like this, this verse in, in Romans 13, and we think government. There's an aspect of order, structure. We even have some here this morning. Seems like we we're called to order, we worship, we go to class, we divide by structure. There's elements of of things put in place. In our homes there's there's structure. There's their ordinance, if you will, to every ordinance of man. And, you know, sometimes we feel like, well, we're justified. As long as we kind of respect the government, we can pretty much tell the rest of the world what we think. And, and yet, we've forgotten to take out the slop bucket. We've forgotten to take out the trash. Sometimes when that happens, it can be sitting at the front door for all the world to see. Fear God. Proverb writer says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Knowledge of the holy. Do you have the knowledge of the holy this morning? What is the knowledge of the holy? Is it to know that there is a holy God? You know, sometimes we'll hear ourselves ask one another about someone or something, particular someone, and we'll say, well, I know them, but I, I, I don't really know them. Have you ever said that? What do you mean by that? It means we have we're we're aware of who they are, but we're very limited in our interaction. We may not even have interacted with them, but we may be aware of them. But what is talking about here? The knowledge of the holy is understanding. In the Spanish, it uses two different verbs to know, and, and it's the conocer, it's, it's, it's the relationship knowledge, it's, it's the interaction. Knowing him and the impact of it on my life and relationship, the knowledge of the holy is understanding, and that is required for us to fear God. It's a part of our ability to fear God, because unless that fear of God is, is clear and real, and reverent, we will very much struggle to, to seek to implement these other areas. Hebrews writes of Noah and says there, Hebrews 11, it says that Noah moved with fear. Moved with fear. So as we look at these other aspects this morning, I'm, I'm going to need to move along pretty speedily. 
But I'd like to look at the honor all men, love the brotherhood, honor the king. And sometimes we can just kind of breeze right through these things and we've got it down. We know what it means, right? Sometimes it's kind of like it was the other day. I was traveling to Ohio by myself on that part of the journey and and I thought I had it down right and I was working my way back into the right lane at a construction zone and all of a sudden I realized unless the Lord intervened there was likely to be a change in my plans and I did what I was able to do and he saw fit to intervene and allow it to resolve the circumstance but that spot I was going for in the traffic disappeared and those barrels of construction barrels did not disappear but they came all the faster and so we experienced those things we acknowledged that what we thought was best wasn't going to work out that way thinking of honoring all men I already talked about Jesus there told the young ruler gave him instructions but on the basis of what the love that he beheld him with and loving and beholding him it says he loved him And we need to understand and rejoice in that love extended to us and assure others that it is the desire of God in His love to us to love us as He beholds our needs and gives instruction for our lives. Honor all men, all of God's creation, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, I just alluded to one aspect of all men. What about the other aspects that we struggle to behold and love? Those that may not honor us as we feel like we deserve. Do we deserve honor? Did Christ deserve honor? One of the reasons we need to honor all men, dear ones, this morning, I believe, is, is found in John 1, 7, where it talks of John the Baptist, and it says there that he, he gave witness, or he testified of the light, referring to Christ, that all men might believe. That all men might believe. In Second Peter, we, if we turn back here a few pages, we could read the, the, um, another verse. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
The invitation is there for all. It's not a matter of those whom God has chosen and whom He has not. And so we are called to honor all men, to love all men. And so how do we do that? As we behold the world about us, even down to our neighborhood, how does that result work out? We look at the wars around us and from the world's, from the, from the flat Bible perspective, we can be tempted to draw positions, take positions. But in the reality of our call as children of light, we are to honor all men. It's so easy to look at the war in Ukraine or other conflicts and say this, this has merit, this doesn't. In the eyes of God, it is all a grief. It is all a sorrow. Honoring all men. It's interesting that that includes the whole spectrum. Is the brotherhood in all men? Is that inside of all men? Pretty much. Subgroup, if you will. The brotherhood, those that are a part, that have knowledge of the holy, that have that understanding and who have exercised their faith in receiving the grace of God. Go back to 1 Peter 5. I want to read several verses here. Now this is more in the context of instructing those that are serving in the church, in the flock. But I'm going to read these verses. They're good for us all. And notice... In verse 9, something that ties in here to this point. Love the brotherhood. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. It's interesting, in all these passages so often, Christ's example, there are principles referred to, reminding. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Just as you don't expect your preschoolers to do the grocery shopping. There is a... God has blessed us with, with the the format of understanding that that we are to live and submit to each other and yet we look to those who are over us in the sense of leading us and serving us um, many times as even as a parent your children appreciate what you do for them even though sometimes you may not understand that always likewise you younger submit yourselves unto the elder yea all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Here again is that, that element of servanthood brought out. Verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, 
for he careth for you. As we come to understand little by little how to trust God, it is essential to our ability to truly fear him. As, as we're looking at here in the text verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What must I do? What must I do? What must I be in control of? What must I seek to accomplish? What must I make sure happens? I was blessed with the illustration or reminder of, is it Richard Wormbrandt? I think I'm saying his last name right. He, he had another name, but he was persecuted for his faith. He spent many years in prison. And he testified of the blessing of the power of nothing. It might take a little bit for that to settle in through your filter of your mind to, to, to ponder that, but think about it. The power of nothing. Now go back to what Paul wrote there about Christ's example. He emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. That God could accomplish his work through him. And so, when we think of the rich young ruler and the importance of him <clears throat> doing the rest of what Christ challenged him to do was maybe not so important that he get rid of everything, but that it would truly be in the hand of God. Surrendered. but knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He's talking about the challenges, the trials, those things that involve in, are involved in our lives as we are called to honor all men, as we are called to love the brotherhood. Within the brotherhood, what else do we find in the brotherhood? Sometimes it's a matter of honoring all men, but many times... It is a blessing that we take for granted. Part of the brotherhood is our family. Is our own relatives, our homes, our moms and our dads, our sons and our daughters, and our husbands and our wives. Love the brotherhood. How often is it, dear ones, that when we see that which we would rather not see around us. That we must acknowledge that we have not, in beholding them, loved them. Time is about all, and I'm going to try to wrap up this third point fairly quickly here. Honor the king, and yet it's it is just as important as any of the others in fearing God and the impact it has upon our lives. We think of honoring the king. 
we relate very poorly to the concept of kingship, and yet we hear these days of King Charles III. Honor the government. Honor those that are given or that, or that take, in, and we could even say, or that take and put themselves in place of that God allows them to, to function in that way. What is our response to them? And we won't take the time to go to Romans 13, but there I encourage you if you have questions, remind, remind yourselves to read those verses there, first part of that chapter. It says in verse 1, every soul, let every soul. Attitude. My heart. Your heart. What do your children know about you? What do they expect your response to be when something happens the interaction, we rub shoulders with the officials around us. What is important in their hearts that they know about you? I was doing some work for a neighbor here the other week, and two of their, his sons were riding with me, and I asked those children, I said, who's your other granddaddy? I knew who the one was, and they proceeded to tell me. And hardly without missing a beat, they said, and he can talk Dutch. That was important to them. that I knew what they thought was one of the important aspects of their granddad. And I'm not disputing that. But I ask you this morning, what do others think of you? What would others tell others about you that they think is important for them to know about you and I? Do you understand what I mean? Is it the simple? Is it the mundane? Is it the annoying? Is it the frustrations? Or is it your love for the Master, your fear of God? And the power of His resurrection in your daily walk. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. As I was pondering that, I, I had to reflect. Many years ago, I was in Mexico with the Maranatha Bible School group and serving as interpreter. And met him in El Paso, and we had gone down by bus, and I wasn't in charge of the travel instructions and so forth. But anyway, the bus driver, I th I'm inclined to think he thought it would be easier and less of his time involved to not stop and get our travel documents in order. So anyway, we went on our way, and, and coming back, um, we got back there before the border, and we were checked, and... And they said, well, where's your paperwork? And it was, well, we don't have them. Well, that's going to be a big problem. And they were telling us what the fines were and, and so forth. And it was casting a dark cloud of uncertainty over our group. And so there was some a quick assessment of how much money we had to pay fines with. And we didn't have near what they were saying. But we... I think they finally collected what they thought they had there, and, and it was agreed that that would suffice. But you know, I, I didn't have confidence in those officials.
And there was a sense in which I had a degree of righteous indignation. I just about knew, since it was a operation of complying by the seat of your pants, we're going to, well, whatever you got, just give us. That, you know, they were, they were going to take it and pocket it. And what do you think I did? I didn't think that was right. And I didn't tell him in that tone of voice, but I did, I did share that concern. So it ended up, I had the privilege of riding with two guards over to a bank, and they made a deposit there, which was a process full of holes as well. But I came back, and I began to realize, as I look back on that, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. I had my job to do, they had theirs. Whether they did it according to what I thought they should do it or not. Move forward a few years to 2019, I was traveling down into Mexico by myself at night, overnight bus ride, and didn't know how that was gonna go. And they had us get our luggage off and didn't really do anything with it, and we put it back on at one point. And then later on, they stopped again, and then the federal police came on, walked back through the bus in the dark. And, and uh, he was asking me, well, what do you have with you? What do you have? And I sh told him what I had in my bag. I had some snacks, food along. And uh, <clears throat> he said, well, give me, I'd like, could you give me a couple of those candy bars for my... Helper and I. And you know, I, I could have thought, I guess I probably did think minor corruption. <laughs> but you know, I was willing to just do what I was able to do. It didn't cost me that much. And he went on his way. How he did his job is between him and his God. And yet I acknowledged God's place in those aspects of life that we that are not in our control, beyond our place of meddling. So this morning, when we rise up each day and ask, what must I do today? And maybe you think, well, you know, the, the young ruler there asked the question. He kneeled and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the question remains, how will we honor all men? How will we love the brotherhood? How will we honor the king if the fear of God is not first and foremost in your life and mine, to guide us, to assure that we as Christ are emptied of self and able to make room for that spirit of fellowship, fellowship of His Spirit, Spirit from on high. So may God bless you as you lift up your eyes each day and behold the fields around you.